Welcome to Dynamics Hi-Fi Podcast and today's episode, What the Tech? I'm Mindy McGrath, Healthcare Industry Learning Lead and Public Health Sector Advisor, and I'm joined by my friend, co-host, and fellow healthcare industry enthusiast, Ryan Hummel. Hi, Mindy. Just a reminder, the Hi-Fi Podcast is our take on specific healthcare industry topics that are real, they're relevant, and worth talking about. At Dynamic, we view the healthcare industry as five interwoven sectors, and we'll be exploring topics relevant to one or many of these sectors with each episode. Great. So while much of the attention this year has been focused on activity in the Beltway, healthcare technology companies continue to introduce innovative and, in some cases, very disruptive solutions and services that could offer transformational movement in the way that healthcare is conceived and delivered. Today, we'll break down some of the interesting things going on in the healthcare technology sector and its influence on other healthcare sectors, including opportunities, challenges, and a discussion on why the healthcare system seems to lag other industries when it comes to adoption. And stick around for our parting thought, that thing that we've read, seen, or heard that we'd like to share with you. And joining us today are our friends and colleagues, Chris Nagovin, Healthcare Technology Sector Advisor, and Sam Farmer, Manager, and I'd like to call her the ultra, ultra healthcare technology enthusiast. How are you guys doing today? Great. Great. Thanks for having us. Um, are you ready to get started today? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you have absolutely. your virtual hats on? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It was a bad joke. It was. Pretty bad. Um, <laughs> so I bet you guys didn't know today is National Pie Day. I don't know about you, but I'm going to be enjoying some pumpkin pie tonight. That's great. Yeah. I always thought Pie Day was March 14th, 314. Thank you. Okay. Oh, no. Pie is in P-I-E. No. Okay. We're, we're talking the pie that, that Mindy and I like. Oh. <laughs> the question is sweet or savory. Oh. That's, that's the question for this Pie Day. I could go both. I mean, savory, chicken pot pie, one of the best. That is absolutely the best. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Um, I'm more of a salt and savory guy, but I love a good apple pie with vanilla ice cream. How Americana, I know. Mm. I'm a sucker for a pizza pie. Does that count? Oh, oh it you win. Does. Sam wins. <laughs> Sam absolutely that wins. Works. That works. Tonight be pizza pie night for dinner. <laughs> so a little housekeeping first before we get started. Um, as you guys have seen, I have the jargon jug right here. So every time we use industry slang or jargon, a dollar is added to this box. So far, we have about $3, although I think both Ryan and I might owe some money to this. Uh, that's a little light from the last podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but it does keep us out of using slang. So on to topic one. Let's talk about technology's impact on the healthcare industry. So in early October, we celebrated National Health IT Week, and there was lots of interesting stuff coming out of that week. It seems like a perfect time right now for us to reflect on how the use of healthcare IT has impacted the overall system. Um, as healthcare organizations from across the healthcare system look to move the ball forward with health IT, we're closely watching what I'll call exponential technologies and their potential power to transform the industry. And I think ever since the passage of the 2009 High Tech Act that provided really the first time incentives for adoption of electronic health records, there's been this explosion of technology solutions applications, and medical devices of all types and kinds. Um, this is in addition to the explosion of data and um, insights, types of organizations that we're seeing enter the market. And 
While some buyers are very skeptical of what these solutions are coming out of Silicon Valley and some of the other hot healthcare tech beds, um, many healthcare organizations are jumping into the adoption uh, of a whole litany of healthcare technology solutions for, for the group. How is technology changing the healthcare industry? So healthcare technology is, is like an, an enabling factor. It weaves through every sector of the healthcare industry. Uh, and, and as all the players within the healthcare industry move towards value-based care, healthcare technology is one of the things that is enabling that to happen. Um, I think about a couple of reasons that the technology is rising. Um, one is just the, as Mindy, as you mentioned, the, the advance, the, the, the rate of advancement. It's, 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 it's growing at ex exponential rates. When you think about the, the ubiquity of, of smartphones and, and how every consumer and even the remote, most remote regions has smartphones, you can get connected anywhere. You can crowdsource anything. People are even starting to crowdsource their healthcare decisions. Mm. You know that's one um, factor of, of the rise in technology use. And then there's there's the, there's democratization of, of healthcare. The second factor is this massive consumerization of healthcare. We've se we're seeing this rise in uh, the empowered patient, and, and consumers are just increasingly sophisticated. They're demanding technology-enabled care. And that, along with this ex exponential rise in technology, is creating this perfect storm that's going to transform the, the U.S. healthcare model. We're seeing rapid digitization of healthcare, oceans of available data, both in a very structured and an unstructured way that we have to mine um, in order to uh, get insights out of them. Uh, we're also seeing the convergence of industries. People are starting to look outside the walls of healthcare, like in banking and in, in manufacturing, to see what can we learn from those industries and apply them to healthcare. And every player in the system is going to be impacted. So they're going to see tons of opportunity, but this is going to bring tons of challenges that I think we're going to talk about um, later in the in this session um, around how they can use this this rising tech tide to disrupt the way medicines are developed, how they're commercialized, how healthcare is delivered to patients, and, and how healthcare is gonna be reimbursed. I mean, that's that's a great comment in, in its entirety, Krishna. The, the one thing that's always interesting to me is, healthcare is already has two playing fields. There is the knowledge of the, of the providers and of the life sciences, and then there's the patient that many times have a lack of awareness and knowledge. So this, this rising tide of tech that you mentioned kind of creates even a bigger gap there. So it'll be interesting to see how consumers keep up with the technology and their knowledge of what it is we're rolling out to them. Um, speaking of, of technology trends, you know, at Vynamic, as I mentioned before, uh, we work in all of the sectors. And so I'd like to ask the crew, maybe Sam here, if you can give us some trends that are affecting all of the different sectors of healthcare. Of course, Ryan. So the really interesting thing, as Kristen mentioned, there's so much data being produced now in the healthcare industry, and that data is really blurring the lines across all of the industry sectors, and it's most valuable when it's used across sectors. So there, you're going to see continued emphasis on things like remote monitoring, um, making sure that we're achieving early diagnosis, using that data to drive decisions and making sure that we're providing value-based care and reducing the cost of healthcare based on the information that we have. Um, 
consumers are also going to continue to con demand more control of the care they actually get. So they want to continue to be empowered and they want to make sure that they can engage with the healthcare system wherever, whenever. That doesn't mean necessarily going to a doctor's office or a hospital anymore. Um, and I think the, the big piece here that's, that's really key is the need for security. So obviously we have HIPAA and we have things that make sure that patient data is protected. But as we look at the opportunities to leverage data in all of these unique technologies across sectors of the healthcare industry, I think cybersecurity is going to be one of those key things that we're looking at. Um, of course, the Internet of Things, um, so sensorized, sensorized everything, more or less. So being able to um, track patients as they flow through a hospital or pharmaceuticals as they flow through the supply chain um, is going to add another level of comfort as we look through uh, how we engage with with the healthcare industry. That's great. Yeah, it's so interesting. And I would add maybe a couple more trends. Like it seems to me that as we've seen more technology um, options enter into the marketplace, we're also seeing it line up with how healthcare organizations are thinking about the term innovation. And you know, innovation used to be something that was carved out of the organization as a special effort. Now it's like the status quo. You, you must have that as a capability to be able to distill just where you want to place your bets and where you want to align yourself with all these different, very cool technology options that are out there. I mean, I think the other things that we're seeing too, and, and this is maybe more focused on the delivery of care, but clearly as population health and this idea that um, it's going to take more than just the healthcare system to really effectively manage and guide populations to be you know, better in control of not only the healthcare um, issues that they're facing, but how to help them create environments that are healthy and um, focused more on managing risk before it becomes acute. Uh, when you think about all the different elements that have to go into population health, um, we're seeing a lot of different healthcare uh, sectors try to play a piece in that, but it's really going to take technology to be the connector. Um, so that monitoring and communication and education and insight into these populations is more holistic in nature. Um, and the only other thing I'd say is really a trend that we're, we just saw it this week, actually, it was announced that, you know, Apple and this whole idea of voice assistance and voice control. Um, I remember when it was really cool when you actually had an app on your phone. Now people are tired of apps. They want to be able to use their voice to interact with their needs. So, a lot of this ties back to consumerism or the idea of an empowered consumer. I know I owe money in the jar. You owe jar. lots of money. <laughs> um, but I think that's another trend that we're seeing is like the next generation, right, of how you start to make um, interaction with technology more personalized. And what better way than hearing your own voice or a voice that you trust, maybe your physician, yep. your pharmacist, or somebody like that. Yep. So I would say those those other things are trends that I would add to to the list that could be endless. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. And, and as we talk about the trends that we've just discussed, and some of them may be a little scary, the idea of crowdsourcing some healthcare decisions, you know, it's kind of the evolution of some of these websites that we've used over the years. But I have, I have a real fundamental question here for the group. Is this growth in healthcare technology a good thing or a bad thing? Is it is it solving the problems that we wanted to solve? And, and moreover, like what opportunities is it creating in our healthcare industry? 
I mean, I'm a tech geek. You guys introduced me as that. So I definitely <laughs> think I, we <laughs> the ultra tech enthusiast. Ultra tech enthusiast. Self-identified tech geek. Self-identified tech geek. So I'm always going to say that I think this is for the best. I think um, the adoption of technology is always slow. And so those of us who know about it far in advance can get frustrated, I think, at times with the pace at which we see any industry adopting it. But I think in the long run, it's for the good. So thinking about specific examples, um, so one buzzword that I think we're hearing a lot across a ton of industries, healthcare included, is blockchain. Um, so blockchain is, is what they call distributed ledger technology. Um, and it's an infrastructure that allows data and information and transactions to be stored in a way that's extremely secure and traceable. And so it has huge implications for things like the pharmaceutical supply chain, for electronic health records, um, and even for data sovereignty. And that's definitely jargon. Um, <laughs> but Can you explain what that means? Of course. <laughs> so that is uh, who is the owner of their own data. So it would enable folks to say, here's my health record. If you want to use it, you can pay me for it. It's right here. Go ahead and grab it and de-identify the parts that are necessary. It's very interesting. Another huge piece that's hitting a ton of the industries is artificial intelligence and machine learning. So thinking about using computers to do reasoning and thought that humans previously had to do. And this is great for clinical decision support. When you're sitting there, um, there's companies that are analyzing x-rays and mammograms and providing suggested diagnoses um, without even having a doctor intervene, which is huge. Um, and then finally, of course, as Mindy, Mindy mentioned, um, virtual assistants. So we're really seeing a trend where consumer devices are becoming medical devices in some applications. Um, you can talk to Alexa on your countertop and tell her what you ate for dinner, and that information could be transmitted to a, a dietitian or a doctor. Um, the opportunities are really endless. And it's going to be interesting to see. I always uh, like to explore this whole idea and, and around the idea that um, policy, right, or regulations and rules that currently exist in the healthcare system today that actually could act as barriers, right, to the advancement of some of these things are going to need to be addressed one way or the other because um, we've seen already where some policy that was written or rule that was established like years ago is now popping up as an issue. And the first one that comes to mind is HIPAA, just in terms of thinking about its, you know, intent, its intent originally and how it's played itself out in the healthcare industry. I mean, no doubt protecting patient information is important, but there have been instances where it's actually been a, a problem for healthcare organizations to be able, able to effectively connect when it comes to understanding patient's health information. So I think the policy piece can't be underscored in terms of what's out there currently and what needs to be addressed so that as more of these really innovative technologies get adopted and put into place in an effort to try to drive better delivery of care, better supply chains, you know, more secure claims processes, um, we're going to have to address just what the the policy world looks like and, and whether there are pieces of legislation out there that need to be tweaked. You know, I think it's also a great point, Mindy, to say all of this great technology that, that Sam just explained from blockchain to virtual assistants, <clears throat> I think it's outpacing the adoption, right? And, and at some point, 
firms, groups, healthcare providers, life sciences firms are really going to need to focus on how do we adopt these despite these obstacles that are in our way. So I'm, I'm excited to see how that's going to play out. So Kristen, I have, I have a question for you, and it kind of revolves around this idea of work to be done. And so I'm going to hopefully ask you to explain that a little bit. But when we talk about healthcare technology, could you explain a little bit how, how technology improves the work to be done in the healthcare industry? So technology, as we said earlier, is an enabler. But what is it enabling? Uh, the thing we want to avoid with technology is technology solutions seeking a problem to solve. What instead we should be doing is looking how technology can solve the work that needs to be done for the players in each of the sectors. So what are the, the jobs that they need to complete in order to do the right thing for the patient? Uh, for example, life sciences industry, and all of, all of the players in the industry have tons of jobs to be to be done, but life sciences, um, one of the jobs that they have is to improve R&D and the cost of it. Um, so what can technology do to, to make that better, faster, cheaper, uh, with better outcomes for the patient? There are sophisticated mathematical models that people, scientists are creating now, that can simulate the human body. <laughs> now just imagine what that could do to the R&D process make it more efficient, less costly. Uh, and it's, it's not ready for prime time, but when you think about the, the growth and how quickly technology will rise and, and um, exponentially, that just imagine what that will do once we do have like a really great human body model that can be used during the R&D process. Uh, improve effectiveness of drug delivery is another job that life sciences companies are, are trying to accomplish. Read about all these sensors that they have out there that can, that patients can ingest and it tracks digestion and the absorption of drugs after you swallow them. And all of that data gets pushed out to doctors, to the patients, but ultimately it's data that life sciences companies can use as well. Um, and there's, there's just so many examples of these types of sensors out there. Um, make it easier to access medicines. And that's another job for life sciences companies. Um, get their get their medicines out to the patient um, faster and, and, and easier for the patient. So, you know, you think about simple technologies like 3D printing in the home or even in, in the pharmacies now. Like that is just going to improve the ability for patients to access medicines. Um, that's just life sciences, and, and there's tons of other examples like that. Um, for health plans, you know, one of their jobs is to improve access to care. Now, telehealth is nothing new. Um, it's been around for a while, but... Health plans are continuing to improve their payment models and evolve them to, to better account for the different services that even telehealth is creating. Um, they're continuing to evolve. Uh, managing medical costs through improved wellness. And you, you, this is where wearables come into play. And this concept of gamifying um, your health uh, is also you know, gamifying health through wearables. Or you think about uh, you know, virtual reality which is those, those Oculus Rift goggles have, have become mainstream, and potentially there are ways to use that, marrying it with, this, this, uh, with wearables and gamifying your health, and that improves wellness for the patients that, that really affects health plans. You know, works to be done for providers when I think of that. It's, it's 
getting the right information to the patient just a little quicker than we did yesterday. So on top of that, it's also about accuracy of, of some of the diagnoses that we're doing. So we know that there are smart algorithms based upon uh, all of this information that we do have and, and utilizing some of these components that we have talked about prior to answer a lot of these questions that need to be answered in the provider world. Um, diagnosis, um, um, quick response to medications, adherence to medication, those kinds of things are happening every day. So um, I think the work's to be done from a, uh, from a health system, a hospital, or anyone providing care to patients, even if it's at the home, um, will be greatly benefited from some of the ideas we're talking about. Yeah, and I, I like the example of, of for providers that they're trying to figure out how to diagnose more cost-effectively as well. Um, in the, the, in the industry outside of healthcare, we've got all these personal assistants now, right? We've got Alexa for Amazon, Siri for iOS, and uh, my, my friend Matt will appreciate me mentioning chatbots. <laughs> <laughs> what about the use of chatbots uh, for, uh, as personal assistants to help uh, diagnose some of those really easy to diagnose things? Oh, I, I was just going to also mention, Krista, we did a we did a podcast recently about home infusion and delivering medicines to the home. And, and to know about that industry is that some of these medications, whether it's for chemotherapy or for some very complex um, biological disorders, some of these products are compounded and have maybe a one to two day kind of shelf life. And if we're able to marry up some of this technology that you've just discussed with the idea of getting this to the home, I mean, we could have see cost savings, we could say better adherence. So there's so many applications from a provider setting that I think can be addressed. Yeah, and I think from a public health setting, right, when you think about what work that public health does, it's really about monitoring and getting in front of um, different types of, of situations, diseases, uh, pandemics, those types of things, to really get in front of that and make sure that you're trying to keep your population as, as healthy as possible. And there's a lot of opportunity, right, around monitoring, um, connection, connecting information, communicating, those types of things that I can see definitely, I, and we've seen it in the last couple of years, where healthcare technology has really um, helped to, to make that um, public health responsibility more effective and more efficient in terms of the way that they are dealing with um, a lot of these viruses and things like that that, that spread themselves in the, into the United States very quickly. And healthcare technology companies aren't immune either. Their job is, as the technology company, to not get disrupted in an age where technology is growing so exponentially. So you see all of these technologies out there arising in the industry. Their job is to take them and figure out how to leverage them and the platforms into their own platforms um, to, you know, service the, all the, the companies in the, the other sectors. That's a great point, Krishna. And I think it's also really interesting as you see that non-traditional players are starting to enter the healthcare space. So you have Google has Verily, which is completely dedicated to healthcare things. Um, also saw in the news this week that Apple was investigating potentially buying some health clinics. So... Mm -hmm. The players that we're not typically expecting are starting to enter the space, which is going to shake things up a lot. The rest of this year should be interesting, but going into next year, I'm looking forward to seeing what else comes out of the he healthcare technology space.
Okay, so on to topic two that I want to explore a little bit further with you guys. What took so long? Why did it take the healthcare industry so long to catch up with adoption rates that we've seen in other industries? And we're still trying to catch up, right? Like it's uh, it's starting, but it's uh, healthcare in- industry still has a ways to go. Um, and at the top of my list is is safety and risk is very unique to to healthcare industry. If you're in the banking industry uh, and a software piece of software fails, uh, brings down their system, people will lose their money. Not a great situation. But if the same thing happens in a hospital or uh, in a in a clinical trial. Uh, that's people's lives and, and, and health that's, um, that's at risk. So risk uh, at, the, at the top of the list uh, is, was one of the reasons that the players in the industry are just hesitant and risk-averse to, to take on technology. I think there's also a stigma associated with technology and innovation uh, that people tend to see it as a, I mentioned earlier, a, a, a solution looking for a problem. I think we start to overcome that if we all if we all focus on the job to be done for technology and all, all of us being those folks who are leading these, these companies within the, the sectors. Yeah, and I think, Krishna, that's a really excellent point. You brought up the bank analogy earlier. I think on top of that, the healthcare industry is, is the rare or unique industry where if any given person saw the landscape of healthcare technology and saw that the solution or the job to be done was going to help one family member um, to survive or or not be a victim versus an entire population or vice versa, you know, human nature tells us that we're going to select that that loved one, that family member, that friend over kind of the, the, the idea of curing an entire population and getting over that stigma and solving for that through healthcare technology. It's going to be a tough egg to crack. And do you think in addition to that, I mean, technology has just become a way of life, right, for most yeah. individuals. So if you have a comfort level with end users using it in their connected homes or the fact that they just have a device in their hand all the time, and that's, I, I don't know about you guys, but my kids literally, I mean, they don't know anything else, right? So does that um, also pave the way to healthcare organizations having a greater comfort level because they know that their end users are oft also comfortable with um, some degree of technology. Maybe they hadn't been a decade ago. Absolutely. I think, I think a lot of people thought that technology was impersonal, and that certainly has changed today with the, the prevalent use of technology and, and how well-connected every home is. Yeah, and I think you had mentioned it earlier, but the whole idea of the empowered patient, mm-hmm. um, who sometimes we call a consumer in this market, um, it depends on... You know, which lens you're looking through, but the industry also has to keep pace, right, with what it is that they want and how they want to be met and engaged and communicated with. So I think that's also another motivator for healthcare technology uh, adoption. So if you look at it and say, well, well, how did we get to the point where healthcare organizations were actually comfortable with starting to explore and experiment with technology? Uh, I think it still goes back to their end users really almost putting the pressure on that they have to keep pace and and keep up with what the demand is um, in the marketplace. Absolutely. And and, uh, the last thing I'd mention about what what took so long uh, that that we'd be remiss if we we didn't talk about is just the the change in incentive model here now is that in the past, 
uh, was there ever incentive to be more efficient? Uh, no, we were a fee-for-service, and now we're moving to value-based. So all the, the great talk, uh, topics here around the patient driving a lot of the change, and then some of this incentive change is, is driving some of the change as well. So we just talked a lot about why it took so long, and then we mentioned all of these tools and, and technological advances that are at the fingertips at, of both life science firms and providers and public health and at the patients. So, so is there too much technology available to some of these organizations today? And if the answer is yes, Sam, how would you go about prioritizing them? Yeah, as Chris and I mentioned at the beginning of the session, there's an explosion in technologies. And so I think it's going to take some time before we settle in what actually sticks. And so it'll be really difficult for companies in the healthcare space to think about what is actually most valuable to them and think about how to prioritize their investment. There are a couple of ways, though, that they can start to approach. People think of innovation as this new blank space, have to bring a new service or offering. But in actuality, they can be examining the problems they have today, as Krista mentioned, the jobs to be done, and think about how they can be using these disruptive technologies to leapfrog their competition on basic things. So how are providers running their collections? Can they add artificial intelligence to help speed up and target that process to be more efficient? Um, and I think this is a great opportunity where we can help our clients as well. So we have a lot of expertise around these technologies, and we have the, the time and, and energy to put in towards really going through and, and putting together a rigorous framework in which we can identify the key opportunities for a specific client's needs as well as the best ones to implement. And I think, um, you know, it, it's definitely really important as we see some of uh, the companies in the healthcare space standing up dedicated innovation uh, groups that they're able to think about executing pilots. You don't have to go all in on these things. All you have to do is dip, dip your toe in the water and try it and see what happens and adapt from there. Um, but I think taking that first step becomes really difficult. Well, we could talk about this all day, and we usually do. <laughs> but we need to wrap it up. So I want to thank you guys for joining us today. And um, I'm sure we'll be back at this, talking about this again next year sometime. Now for our parting thought. Thanks, Mindy. Uh, I, my parting thought today has evolved just into the last minute, and I wanted to bring up uh, uh, an industry and a category that I'm not too familiar with, and it's the idea of clinical trials. And uh, we just met with a group, our company just met with a group, and got educated on some of these ideas of health systems and hospitals being a little less than formed on that idea of, of creating a clinical trial group. And, and the idea of conducting clinical trials at a provider level is so unique and interesting because it allows for physician engagement. A lot of physicians and, and nurse practitioners really want to be a part of it, administering these clinical trials to help their patients and help the population uh, be better. Um, and it also helps from a patient engagement perspective because the more we, we do these clinical trials, they're, they're very effective. But, but the problem here is, and it, we talked a little bit about it with Sam and Krishna, is that um, it requires uh, many times a third party to come in and extract data from the medical record, de-identify de that data, and then utilize it for results and outcomes. And this is an example where adopters, uh, the adopters being the C-suite of a hospital or patients themselves, are uncomfortable with that idea, and, but the technology is there to do it, and we can do great things with that. So in order for us to kind of fill the gap 
of, of getting adopters to understand and getting over the stigma, um, we're going to have some problems in that, in, that, in that world. And I think that talking about it is, is, the, is the next step to creating solutions there. Yeah, my parting thought um, is along the same vein of talking about technology. But I recently read this article um, in healthleaders.com entitled Artificial Intelligence, The Hope Beyond the Hype. And the article discussed the variation of where healthcare organizations are when it comes to artificial intelligence. There's this level of skepticism, which you just mentioned, in the provider sector about AI, as some organizations are still trying to wrap their arms around the return on investment when it comes to electronic health record systems and the data that's being collected there. I think what's so interesting to me, right, is that health systems that are adopting AI to address areas where they think they can do better, and they're putting their electronic health data records um, and that data that they're extracting from there to work for them. So an example of that was Mercy Health, which was referenced as a system that's adopted AI to really standardize the clinical processes for things related to knee and hip replacements, uh, a procedure that they actually do very frequently throughout the system. Uh, they're also using AI to improve patient flow and tracking invoices and targeting sepsis. All these items that can lead to things like readmission, which we know actually impacts their reimbursement on the back end of any procedure. So I think it's interesting, right, to see where providers are in the spectrum of having a comfort level when it comes to using some of this emerging technology uh, to focus on procedures and services that they do pretty regularly, but they know come with complications. Uh, so check it out if you get a chance. So this concludes, Ryan, our High Five podcast for today. And we want to hear from you about today's episode or other topics that may be on your mind. Please feel free to contact us at 267-930-4711 and share your message. And for additional conversation about the work that we're doing in the healthcare industry or a deeper follow-up on how Vynamic can assist you with your business initiatives, please contact us at high5atvynamic.com. That's high as in H-I, five, the numeral, at vynamic.com. For links to anything that we talked about today, visit the episode description on your favorite podcast app. Thanks and have a great day.